0: Thank <laughs> you. I believe with all my heart from the time that you were born till you step from this side of eternity to the next that there is a question that continues to happen and come up in your life time and time and time and time and time and time again. And, and a lot of times we don't even know what that question is, but let me give it to you. From, from the moment that you were born, the question is, what's next? Now think about that for a minute. I mean, you show up on this earth and, and you're born, and, and I mean, as soon as you get here, the doctor wants you to breathe right? And if you don't start breathing pretty quickly, they start doing all kinds of things to get breath going and, and doctors are running around making sure everything's right and nurses are, are, are panicking and making sure that this baby is breathing. So what's next? And then, then you get home and what's next is we want you to sleep all night. And then, what's next is we want you to learn to crawl, and we want you to learn to walk, and we want you to learn to speak, and we want you to learn to feed yourself. And we want, I mean, what's next? What's next? What's next? And then we want you to go to preschool. And then, what's next? We want you to go to kindergarten. And then, what's next? We want you to go to first grade, and then to 12th grade, and then to college, and on and on and on. We want you to finally get a job. (laughs) What's next? But you know what? It doesn't stop there. Throughout your life, it's always about what's next. And so for the next several weeks, we are going to be looking at what's next in our life. We're on a journey. Every person on earth that's alive is on a journey, and we're going to be looking at how that journey kind of plays out and how we move into that. And so uh, we're going to be talking about, over the next several weeks, following Jesus fearlessly. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some people who are ready to follow Jesus fearlessly who are not ashamed, who are not holding back, but they're moving forward. And so our foundation scripture is the book of Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 24 and 25. So would you turn there, and as you're doing that, let me greet the campuses. My name is Eddie Couples, I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm excited about what God is doing in every location of Love and Truth Church. We're thankful that you're with us today, and we are ready to receive, and so we hope that you are as well. So let's go into the Word of the Lord together. The book of Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 24 and 25, is kind of the setting that we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, Take up his cross and what? Follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will lose find it. Now that's the journey we're on. We're on this journey of losing to find and finding to lose and, and, and all of this over the next uh, several weeks we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be looking at different parts of the process of life. So no matter where you are today, I think I can talk right where your life is. Today we're going to talk about the process of salvation. In this journey in life, every one of us needs to come to that place of salvation Now, you may be a a person who is a believer today, and you say, well, I really don't need this sermon. I promise you, before this day is over, I'm going to say something that you need, even if you've been serving Jesus for a long time. Here's what we're going to do today, is we're going to look at why we need a Savior, why salvation needs to come, and then how it comes into our life. Now, the Word of God tells us in the book of Genesis, the first chapter, that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then it says, and God said. And, and it goes, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God saw what he said. And, and we know that whole parameter there. But then it says, on the sixth day, God created man in his own image and in his likeness. I still believe that God created humanity. I don't believe that I'm an evolutionary process that got me here. All right? I don't, I don't believe that I was a single-cell amoeba that crawled up out of some swamp somewhere that then became a tadpole, that then lost my tail and became a frog and lost, you know, whatever and became a monkey and then I lost my tail again and here I am. I think a lot of people have lost their tail. But anyway, uh, the 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 process, <laughs> that was for the religious people, the process <laughs> is... That, that I believe with all my heart that God created us, that God made us in his image and in his likeness. And the scripture says God took man and woman and he placed them in a beautiful garden. I mean, it was, it was gorgeous. It was unbelievable. There was nothing that they lacked. But one day, while Eve's doing her business, the Bible says Satan showed up. And he came to her and he began to talk to her and and the scripture lets us know that as as sin came into the garden uh, that in the process of her looking at the fruit her partaking of the fruit her offering the fruit to Adam uh, and then they both realizing uh, that they were without clothing and and they went and hid themselves the whole process there that took place we see that the Bible says that man fell in other words that in this place of sinless perfection that no longer was he there that sin entered in and you and I the Bible says that we We were born in sin and we were shapen in iniquity. Every one of us, when we showed up in this world, sin was a reality of our life. And and I want to show you real quickly how sin kind of operates. I want to use this story out of the book of Genesis there, the third chapter. And I kind of want to show that to you how it works. Remember, the the Word of God says that Satan showed up uh, and and that he begins to to talk to Eve and begins to kind of work with her. Now, here's what you need to understand about sin. Sin is not just when you kill somebody or when you commit adultery or when you, you know, do a, you know, you, all the things we think of as sin. Sin truly means missing the mark. Or missing the target that's what sin means in other words God has placed uh, this mark he's calling us the Bible says to, to a high calling and and when I miss that it's sin it's it's there are what we refer to as sins of commission and sins of omission uh, but there's sin in, in our lives that we find and what we find in scripture is is that Adam and Eve were in a place of perfection There were no sins that were were in the garden, and yet Satan showed up, and Satan began to tempt Adam and Eve. Now, let me me show you four things about sin. How does sin operate, and I want you to see it uh, real quickly. Satan shows up, and here's what he says first of all. He, He looks at Eve, and he says to her, did God say?" Right? Uh, did God say that you can't eat of this tree? Did God say that you can't uh, you know, partake of this? And, and, and Eve gets involved with him. And let me, let me help some of you. Quit talking to the devil. Just don't talk to him. He shows up and starts whispering, just go, not doing this, not talking to you today. I don't have to, you're not in charge anymore. Right? She didn't do that. She has this dialogue, and she says, Oh, yes, said the Lord said that of all the trees of the garden we can eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we can't eat it. She said, Or even touch it. That's a lie. God didn't say that. God just said, Don't eat it. See, anytime you start adding to the Word of God, you probably are going to get in trouble. All right? Even when you're trying to help God out that's what she was doing. Oh, well, we can't eat it. We can't even touch it. That's not what the Word of God says. And, and so they, they begin to have this dialogue. And, 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 and so Satan goes and he says to her, the reason God does not want you to eat of this, truth, uh, this fruit is because that he knows that the day you eat thereof, you will be like God. See, here's the first thing sin does is sin discredits. Sin always tries to discredit God. Well, God knows that if you eat of this, you'll be like Him, and therefore, He doesn't want you. And so we start, we start playing with that. Well, you know, I wonder what it is God's up to. I wonder why He doesn't want me to eat of this tree. I wonder, and, and we begin to play these mind games and begin to rationalize. Listen, let me help you. If God says it, just don't do it. There is a purpose and a reason why His Word says some things. And see, we we live in a society that does its dead-level best to continually discredit the Word of God. I mean, when was the last time you saw a television program that made the church or made a minister look good? Think about it. They're always crooked. The church is always out to get money. The church is always homophobic or it's got some racial overtone or it's got some, some, something always messed up about it instead of understanding that it is the church that is the hope of the world. But Satan is always trying to discredit it in our society. You, you need to understand that if God says don't do it, he doesn't want you to do it because it's for your protection. reason God says one moment one woman one man for life is because God knows that if we don't do it that way that it brings in all kinds of problems into our life all right and and you know what you don't ever have to worry about getting tested for an STD if it's one man one woman for life I'm just going to get in our business all right I mean, you, you, young people, you don't have to worry about getting her pregnant or her showing up pregnant. You don't have to worry about that if you just do what God's Word says. Amen? We need to come to that place of understanding. God's Word says some things that we don't necessarily like, but it's not because God's mean. It's not because God is trying to keep us from something. It's because the enemy shows up and does his best to discredit God. Did God say, the reason God said, this is why He's trying to keep you from having fun. The second thing about it is the Bible says is that when she partook of the fruit, her eyes were open. She gave it uh, to her husband, Adam. And the Bible in the New Testament says Adam knew what he was doing. Adam partook of it willingly. I think it was because he said, well, my wife's already, I'm going to go with her, which is what most men do. And you can be macho as you want, and you know I'm telling the truth. If your wife wants to go, if mama ain't happy, let's keep moving, all right? And he the Bible just the Bible just said he, you know, kind of went along with her. But here's what the scripture says it says that the moment they partook of the fruit, their eyes were opened. Now, here's the second thing that sin does. Sin opens you. you I'll explain it. Just write it down. Sin opens you. What do I mean by that? Well, up until that point, they did not know that they were naked. But at that moment, they saw, they were open to that. Listen, it's the same way in, in our world now. You, you never have to worry. You know they tell us that, that out of five people, uh, that, that every fifth person probably is genetically disposed to some kind of addiction, uh, usually an alcoholic addiction or a drug addiction. One out of five uh, is predisposed to that. Well, guess what? I don't ever have to worry about being an alcoholic if I never open the door to the first drink. Well, I love it when I preach good. (laughs) See, but here's the deal is we we come up with all kind of rationalizations. Well, I I can do this. Scripture gives me liberty, and it does. I can do this, the other. And, And what we don't understand is, is that every time we open ourselves up to any type of sin, then you and I spend the rest of our lives trying to keep the door shut to something that we don't want in our lives. Hang out with somebody who's been fighting alcoholism for 25 years. I promise you if they could go back 26 years ago, they would have never opened the door to that habit in their life. But now, even though they're a believer, even though they love Jesus, they constantly and consistently have to fight what it is that they're up against. You don't have to fight pornography if you don't download it the first time. Well, glory to God. See, if, if you don't involve yourselves with those things, which the world says, oh, just go ahead and do it, if I don't open the door to it, then I don't spend the rest of my existence trying to keep the door open closed listen the reason pastor sometimes seems a little old-fashioned and maybe a little out of touch for some of you is because i am trying to keep i'm especially trying to keep our young people from having to fight some of the battles that some of us have had to fight for 30 and 40 and 50 years because nobody helped us to keep some doors closed So sin opens you to things that you don't need in your life. So why go down that road? The third thing is is that is that sin distracts us. Now think about this. The Word of God says that they had an entire garden that everything they needed was provided. God had only said, of everything in this garden, the only thing I don't want you to touch or to be involved with, I don't want you to eat from, is this one tree. Guess what? Satan shows up and he gets their attention off of everything else but the one thing. Now think about that. How many times in your life does the enemy show up and everything else can be going good? I I can tell you this. Most of the times when we find people at the point of divorce, it is not because 99% of the marriage is bad. Usually it's because there's 10 or 15% that's really messed up, but instead of them understanding there's 85% that's still good, we're, we're distracted by this one thing. Pastor, if you only knew about this. Well, do they treat you right? Well, they treat me pretty good. Do they provide? Well, they do pretty good. Well, do they love you? Well, I think so. Well, what is it? Well, they won't put their socks in the hamper. (laughs) And we get so distracted by the socks or the whatever it is that we miss out that there's a whole garden out here that we can feast. I mean, think about it. I mean, listen, put a chain link fence up around that tree and forget it. You got everything else that you can imagine, and you are getting distracted by this one thing. How often in our lives do we allow the enemy to distract us from everything that God has for us, every blessing, every benefit that He has, and we start focusing on the one thing we don't have. I don't have this. I don't I can't go there. I, listen, God has blessed you and you need to focus on the blessings. And if you'll focus on the blessings, the enemy will not be able. I mean, if Eve would have just stopped and said, wait a minute, let me take you to this tree over here, let me take you to this tree over here. And let me take you back over here to this brook and let me take you over here to the blessings of God Satan would have never won in this setting but she got distracted the fourth thing that sin does is that sin wrecks sin destroys okay we, we know that as soon as it entered in they hid from God God showed up at the end of the day we understand God put them out from the garden and their relationship with God was broken and their relationship with each other was strained in fact as soon as God showed up I believe watch this in the garden there had never been an argument think about that marriage there had never you, you say I don't believe it well they were in a perfect place and they were perfect people there had never been an argument never and as soon as sin shows up guess what they do they get an argument well this woman you gave me right and she looks around and goes well this snake that came over here snake looks around because i'm the lowest thing around here i guess i got a place to go all right and and so so you have to have this whole process so sin wrecks and when we begin to understand what sin does then what we have to do is find out that in that same passage that that god said look there is coming one one day who satan you're going to bruise his heel but he's going to crush your head and salvation is going to come to mankind and 4,000 years later, Jesus shows up on the scene. We know his ministry was great. Uh, in 33 and a half years of age, the Scripture lets us know that he died on a cross for our sins. Three days later, he was resurrected. Uh, he meets with his disciples 40 days after that, tells them, says, Wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He ascends into the heavens. Ten days later is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the church now is in the business of redemption. And the Bible says that at that moment, when that took place, that people gathered from the entirety of Jerusalem. They were there for a feast of Pentecost. They gathered from everywhere, and they said, What is going on? What is this? And the apostle Peter, standing with the eleven, preached the gospel for the very first time. The word of God. Peter had been given the keys of the kingdom, and he stands up and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he talks about this Jesus whom you crucified. And he talks from the Old Testament about who Jesus was. And then the Bible says in verse 36, of chapter 2 it says therefore let all Israel be assured of this God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ Verse 37 says, when the people heard this, that they were convicted, they were cut in their heart, and they said, what shall we do? In other words, guys, what do we do to get saved? Verse 38, Peter replied, and he said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you, to your children, and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So how do I come from that place of living a life of sin and being destroyed by sin and moving into this place of walking with God. Well, number one is, the scripture says there, the, the apostle Peter said, if you want to move in a relationship with God, he said, repent. Now that word repent, the Greek word is the word metanoia. And it just simply means a change of mind or a change of heart. It really means a change of direction, turning and walking in a different direction. Here's what repentance does in your life. Number one, repentance brings fellowship. Repentance produces fellowship with you and God. The Word of God says that it is by grace through faith that you are saved, not of works, lest any person should boast. You haven't done anything to get it. You just come and say, you know what? I'm tired of walking this way. In fact, the word metanoia is the same word as about face. Understand, I'm going this way, I'll be rude for a second, turn my back on you, and I'm going to repent, so therefore now I'm going to go this way. I'm going to change my direction. But watch this, the moment I repent, I come in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But get this, I'm still at the same place on the road, I'm just going a different direction. Now that ought to help some of you. Because some of you were told, well, you got, you got saved, you repented, you asked Jesus into your life, and you're still struggling with sin. I don't know about you, but I still struggle with sin. I love it when you all look at me that way. So I just talk to the camera, all right? I mean, I struggle with sin this week. Well, hallelujah. Have you ever driven in Jackson? This, this is no lie. I don't know Thursday Friday I was I was at a at an intersection in a right turn lane and cars were just flying right at me and I'm sitting there waiting and all of a sudden it wasn't a nice little toot it was why behind me and my first inclination was not God bless you I mean there were several things that went through my mind immediately none of them holy And I kind of looked back at him and I waved. I didn't do the California wave, but I kind of did this. Y'all know that one, don't you? You know, I've talked a lot of times about people have a fish on their bumper and have a bird out the window. You can't be doing that. (laughs) All right, and and so I I sat there and then I thought, you want to honk at me? Watch this. Am I the only one? I mean, I I was carnal, and I just sat there. <laughs> now I did finally pull out, and by the time I got to the next red light, I'd repented. <clears throat> but but I was I mean I was having a moment there, in, and I have to say, sin was winning for a moment. All right. Now, it's better than it would have been a few years back. I might have done worse. All right. So a, at least I'm doing better. But, but we still have this whole thing. Is, and, and, and what you find is, is that when you really repent and you begin the journey, what happens is, is that your focus has been so on you and what you want that when you turn around and you begin to go in the opposite direction, now your focus is on God. And guess what? What you focus on is what you become. So it's not, yes, salvation happens like that, but my sanctification is moving through a process of time. But the more I keep my eyes on Jesus, the more I become like him. And the more I'm conformed into His image and into His likeness. And so we move to that place of coming into relationship. We come into a place of salvation with the Lord. But you know what? The Word of God continues on. The Apostle Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Uh, so the second thing is about baptism. Now, salvation comes, but then we move forward. Salvation uh, happens at, at when we come into faith, but baptism... Is a process that we move into. And why do we get baptized? Well, the scripture lets us know that baptism produces authority. All right? Just write it down. Baptism produces authority. The book of Philippians, the second chapter, verse 9 says, Therefore God exalted him, speaking of Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the name of Jesus is exalted above everything else. And so baptism, when I take on the name of the Lord Jesus in baptism, baptism brings authority authority in my life how many of you ever read scripture and 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 certain things are funny nobody y'all are way too holy for me and there are certain things in scripture to me that are funny now, how many of you have ever read the story of in the book of acts of the seven sons of Sceva read that the seven sons of Sceva are, are exorcist I guess or want to be exorcist anyway and they find this guy who's demon-possessed and they go in and they say, we adjure you or we command you by the name that Peter preaches and the name of Jesus come out. And, and I think it's a funny story. Because, go home and read it, the Bible says this one dude jumps up, rips all their clothes off of them, and those seven sons of Sceva are the first streakers in history. I mean, they... They are out of there. Why? Because they used the name that they didn't have authority to use. See, when we go into the waters, here's here's what Romans 6 says. Romans 6, verse 3 and 4 says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism is not just a ritual. People say, Well, uh, you know, I I got saved. Uh, Do I have to be baptized? Well, here's what the Bible says. He that believeth in is baptized shall be saved all right do I think baptism saves you no I believe baptism is a work that you do because you are saved I, I think that it is in his obedience It's saying God I'm going the Bible talks about being baptized and washing away your sins and coming to that place of, of where you call upon the name of the Lord and it's not that the water washes away the sins it is that the Holy Spirit of God takes care of those and the outward sign of that is baptism The Greek word is baptizo, it means to immerse or to dip. Baptism is an act of obedience. It's an act of identification, and it is an act that is a testimony to those who see you. So the Apostle Peter said, this is how, you, how you're moving in your relationship. What's next? What's on this journey of following Jesus fearlessly? I'm going to come into a relationship, but then I want to have the authority that I need in my life. And then, he said, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and 8, Jesus said, go and wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. Here's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. The Holy Spirit brings power. It produces power in our lives. You and I have been given the authority to walk through the name of the Lord, but now we need the power of the Lord. The Apostle Paul at one time said, he said, my message was not in preaching or in persuasive words, but he said uh, in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5, he said, but it was in the demonstration of the Spirit's power. So what is that power for? It's power to witness, it's power to pray, it's power to live, it's power to have the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit operating in our lives on an ongoing basis. Now here's what you've got to understand about salvation, and I want you to hear me carefully. Salvation is instantaneous but progressive. You say, what do you mean? Well, Ephesians, you know it, 2, 8, and 9, says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith And this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So we understand, God did it, we just accept it, we move into it. But, Philippians 2, uh, verse 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my dear friends... As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. So salvation is a journey. I'm walking with God. What's next? Well, it's according to where I'm at on this journey. But I've got to come to that place today of finding out where I'm at because when I know where I'm at, I can get anywhere I need to go. But if I'm lost, I don't know where I'm going and I don't know how to get there. Let let me share this with you. Let me me just give you a a story today. Let's say you and your family have decided or you by yourself have decided to take a, a several week journey and, and you've kind of got it mapped out and, and you've laid everything out. And and so each day you're getting up and you're going and you're you're driving certain places and you're doing certain things. Uh and, and so this day is unlike you know not any different than any other. You've got a certain destination you're going to this day. And you get up and you hit the road and you're going and, and you kinda know how it is when you're driving long distances. How many of you know that, that times when you're driving long distances you can lose track of time. Ten 20, 30, 40 miles later, you look up and go, I didn't even realize I'd driven this, right? And so you're on this journey, you're kind of blazed out. And and then all of a sudden you, you begin to see the cars in front of you, and, and the taillights are coming on, and, and, and you you see how a lot of them they'll hit their brakes and then they'll just kind of go around. They'll kind of go around. You're thinking, well, I wonder what's up there. Is there a wreck up there? Is something bad happened? And and finally, as you're getting closer, you see you see somebody on the side of the road. You 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 see an individual who's there, and you, you can't really see that well, but but you actually see a car stop and, and there's a conversation, but this car just hits the gas and they go right on and and so by the time you get to where this individual is you see him and 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 he's kind of in tattered clothes in fact it it looks kind of like a uniform but but the uniform's all ripped and and but but he's got this look in his eye and that look is so passionate that that he literally jumps in front of your car and you lock it down and go man this is a crazy man what is he doing he comes around to the side of the car and you barely crack the window. And he said, Hey, you got to stop. And you go, I'm, I'm on a journey. I'm, I'm going somewhere. And he said, No, no, no. You got to stop. You don't understand that if you keep going right over the next hill, there's a bridge and that bridge just got knocked out by a boat. And there's a 300 foot ravine that you're going to go into. In fact, my car went off and I barely got out. Now you've got a choice to make at that moment. That is, you can continue with your plans because you've laid out some good plans. You've got some good things you want to do. Or you can, at that moment, make a U-turn. You can repent. You can say, you know what? I am not going that way. This guy just warned me. This guy just saved my life. I refuse to go down that path any longer. So you begin the process. You turn the car around. You begin to move. And what you find is, is that as soon as you, you go very, not very far, maybe 100 feet, there's this sign that says, Believer's Next Right. Now you think, well, I'm a, I believed him, so I'm going off. And you exit to the right, and there's this little building, and you go into. And they said, here's what we want to do. We want to give you a change of clothes. We want to give you a uniform. We're going to debutize you. We're, we're, we're going to give you authority because what we want you to do is we want you now to go out and stop everybody else from going off into this ravine. And so that's pretty cool. And you, you put the uniform on and you come out and you swear to, to uphold the law and do all the things. And, and, and now you're deputized. But right before you walk out, they said, wait, 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 just one minute. We want to give you some power. Because here's what we found out is that the reason that the bridge is out is because there are terrorists that are attacking our nation and they're trying to kill everybody. And so what we're going to do is we're going to give you an AK-47 and we're going to send you out there with some power. Are are you getting it? When you come in a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's making that U-turn, it's beginning the process, it's moving into that place of authority and it is receiving the power to destroy the works of the devil. And when you do that, then you begin to find your life moving into that place that God has for you and moving into what's next. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at what's next in our lives to see what God has.